1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God promised David that his dynasty as king would be an everlasting dynasty and that his descendant will reign forever as king without end. And of course we know he was referring, God was referring to Jesus Christ, the son of David, Jesus will reign forever on the throne of David. And so, this cedar of Lebanon represents this promise of an everlasting kingdom through David's line.
0: Some passages in the Bible can be hard to understand. This is especially true when it comes to parables and prophecies. Well, in today's edition of Ring of Truth, Pastor Dan helps you unpack an Old Testament parable that has lots of unfamiliar imagery. The cedars of Lebanon is an example of this. You'll learn that these cedar trees were tall, strong, and able to last for ages. This is why God used the cedars to represent His unwavering promise to establish an everlasting kingdom through the line of David. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel chapter 17 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: Ezekiel 17, 2 Chronicles 36. So we're in this section in Ezekiel where the Lord has Ezekiel telling a series of parables. Uh, We saw in chapter 15, uh, there was a parable about an unfruitful vine. And then in chapter 16, there was a parable about an unfaithful wife. And in chapter 17, we have a parable about a a great tree and two eagles. It's a little unusual for us. It it seems a little uh, difficult for us to understand the meaning of it. But fortunately, after describing this parable in the first 10 verses of chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, the Lord explains the meaning of the parable to us, so we don't have to try to figure out and understand all the symbolism in this parable because God's going to explain it to us. And the imagery that God uses in this parable in chapter 17, as I mentioned, it's the image of a great tree, a cedar of Lebanon, and two eagles, which again, it's, it's very unfamiliar to us, but this imagery that's used here in chapter 17 was actually common imagery in the ancient Near East. Eagles in the ancient Near East were often used symbolically to symbolize royal strength or the strength of a king or the strength of a king's military. And trees represented kingdoms or nations. Kings that were in battle were often described with the imagery of an eagle. Uh, Some kings really beginning with the Babylonians all the way up through the Roman Empire, actually used an eagle as an emblem of their, of their army. Elsewhere in the Bible, we, we see the same imagery used in Habakkuk chapter 1, for example. Uh, the Babylonian army is described as like an eagle swooping down to devour their prey. Again, speaking of the Babylonian army. Army. Uh, we find this imagery in artwork that has been discovered by archaeologists. Uh, ar- archaeological discoveries also show this same kind of imagery of eagles and trees representing kings and kingdoms. Uh, archaeologists have found it among Assyrian artwork and Babylonian artwork. Uh, so, this was a very common image that you would find in the ancient world with these eagles and trees and It's foreign to us, strange to us, but it was very familiar uh, imagery in Ezekiel's day, very familiar to the Jews living in Ezekiel's day in Babylon. They understood the symbolism of this parable. They understood what the eagles represent and what the tree represents uh, and, and everything. So what I'm going to do here in chapter 17 is I'm just going to read through the description of the parable all the way down to verse 11, where God gives us the explanation of it, uh, and then we'll kind of explain it. So, beginning in verse one, and the word of the Lord came to me. Uh, remember Ezekiel at this point is in his in his home in Babylon. The elders of Israel that are there in Babylon have come to his house. They're sitting with Ezekiel in his home when God begins to give these prophetic words to Ezekiel that he shares with the elders of Israel. And so the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, pose a riddle and speak a parable to the house of Israel and say, Thus says the Lord God, a great eagle with large wings and long pinions full of feathers of various colors, came to Lebanon. So he's telling a riddle here that needs to be solved. Came to Lebanon and took from the cedar the highest branch. He cropped off its topmost young twig and carried it to a land of trade. He set it in a city of merchants. Then he took some of the seed of the land and planted it in a fertile field. He placed it by abundant waters and set it like a willow tree. And it grew and became a spreading vine of low stature. Its branches turned toward him, but its roots were under it. So it became a vine, brought forth branches, put forth shoots. But there was another great eagle with large wings and many feathers. And behold, this vine bent its roots toward him, and stretched its branches toward him, toward the second eagle, from the garden terrace where it had been planted, that he might water it. It was planted in good soil by many waters to bring forth branches, bear fruit, and become a majestic vine. Say, thus says the Lord God, will it thrive? Will he not pull up its roots, cut off its fruit, and leave it to wither? All of its spring leaves will wither, and no great power or many people will be needed to pluck it up by its roots. Behold, it is planted, will it thrive? Will it not utterly wither when the east wind, that would be that desert wind, touches it? It will wither in the garden terrace where it grew. So that's, that's the parable, and aren't you glad he's going to explain it to us, what all of this means? Verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Say now to the rebellious house, to, to Israel, Do you not know what these things mean? No, we don't. So tell us. <laughs> tell them, indeed, the king of Babylon went to Jerusalem and took its king and princes and led them with him to Babylon. So he begins now to explain this parable for us. If you look back up in verse 3, the great eagle with large wings and long pinions full of feathers of various colors, that's referring to the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And it says again in the, in the parable part of it, uh, it says that uh, the eagle came to Lebanon, in verse 3. Lebanon uh, represents Jerusalem in this parable. And he came to Lebanon, and he took from the cedar tree the highest branches. The cedar tree in this parable represents the Davidic dynasty, or the line of David, the lineage of David. Remember the promise that God made to David, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But here... What God does is he uses the symbolism of a cedar tree, a cedar of Lebanon to represent the Davidic dynasty. And the reason he uses a cedar of Lebanon is because the cedars of Lebanon were strong and majestic and large, and they, were, they would stand forever. They represented longevity where they represented eternity. And so here in the parable, God uses a cedar tree to represent the line of David. If you remember in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, God promised that David's house shall endure forever, ever, and David's throne shall be established forever. God promised David that his dynasty as king would be an everlasting dynasty and that his descendant will reign forever as king without end. And of course, we know he was referring, God was referring to Jesus Christ, the son of David. Jesus will reign forever on the throne of David. And so this cedar of Lebanon represents this promise of an everlasting kingdom through David's line. Uh, and the cedars of Lebanon were world-renowned. Even the nation of Lebanon today, uh, they have a a cedar tree on their flag, even to this day. Uh, Again, it, it represents longevity. It represents strength and endurance. They'll stand forever, is the idea, just as the kingdom of David will last forever through Jesus Christ. So, because of this promise this promise was one of the reasons why the people of Israel thought nothing will ever happen to Jerusalem will never be conquered our temple will never be destroyed because god has made this promise to david that his dynasty would stand forever that his reign his kingdom would be an everlasting Kingdom. And so the people believe, well, there's no way God will ever destroy the kingdom of Judah. It's going to stand forever, just like the cedars of Lebanon will stand forever. But what we see in this parable is that a great eagle comes along and plucks off the highest branches off of the cedar tree. So yes, the cedar tree is still standing, but, but the top of it has been removed. And this, this is referring, we see in the parable and the explanation, this is referring to Judah's king, Jehoiachin, and the leaders of Judah.
0: Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more.
1: I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel, located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Nebuchadnezzar comes into Jerusalem and he takes the king, Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, and the leaders of Judah, and he deposed Jehoiachin as king and took him and his family and the leadership of Judah away to Babylon as captives in 597 BC. Remember, we've talked about this before. The Babylonians are going to come to Jerusalem three separate times. The final time, they're going to destroy the city and carry the remaining people away to Babylon as slaves. But, but here, this, this eagle that swoops down is Nebuchadnezzar. He swooped down on Judah in 597 BC. He takes the highest branch. He takes the king, Jehoiachin, and his family and the leadership And we're told elsewhere the temple treasure, all the treasure of the temple, 10,000 officers, all the craftsmen uh, and artisans in the land, a bunch of the soldiers of Judah, he carries them all away captive to Babylon. So, yes, the cedar tree is still there, but the top of it's been sheared off. The highest point of it has been sheared off. The leadership of Judah has been led away to Babylon. And this, if you're a note taker, this is described in detail in Second Kings uh, 24. So now look at verse 13. It says, And he took the king's offspring, and he made a covenant with him and put him under oath. He also took away the mighty of the land that the kingdom might be brought low and not lift itself up but that by keeping this covenant, it might stand. So after Nebuchadnezzar removed Jehoiachin as king and all the leadership of Judah, then Nebuchadnezzar installed Zedekiah as king over Judah. And Zedekiah was Jehoiachin's uncle. He was a relative of Jehoiachin. Zedekiah was a puppet king of Judah. Notice in verse 13, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, made a covenant with Zedekiah. He put him under an oath. Zedekiah was subject to Babylon and and served at the will of Babylon. If you look back in the first half of the chapter and verse five, that's why he is described as a willow tree in verse five. A, A willow tree bows down. If you can picture a willow tree in your mind. It's kind of a bowed-down tree. Compared in contrast to a mighty cedar of Lebanon, this large, majestic, powerful tree that will stand forever. Now the new king, well, he's like a weeping willow, right? He's bowed down in verse 5, just as Zedekiah was bowed down to Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 6... Now, Judah, under Zedekiah, is described as a vine. Again, no longer a mighty cedar tree, a cedar of Lebanon, but a vine that's just running along the ground. And it says in verse 6 that its branches were turned toward him, its branches were turned toward Nebuchadnezzar, subject to him, submitted to him. And serving him. Now verse 14 again says that the kingdom might be brought low like a vine. It's no longer a tall cedar of Lebanon. It's brought low like a vine and not lift itself up. But that by keeping his covenant, it might stand. So when Zedekiah was put in place as king over Judah... As the vassal king under Nebuchadnezzar, he he made a covenant. Nebuchadnezzar forced him to make a covenant promising to serve Babylon and to serve the interests of Babylon. So he's a low vine now. He's a willow. Then verse 15, it says, but he rebelled against him. Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar by sending his ambassadors to Egypt that they might give him horses and many people. Will he prosper in this? Will he who does such things escape? Can he break a covenant and still be delivered? So Zedekiah, when he's king, he reaches out to Egypt for help military help against the Babylonians. Egypt is the second eagle in the parable. If you go back and look in verse 7, but there was another great eagle. That's Egypt. So Zedekiah rebelled against his covenant with Nebuchadnezzar. He reached out to Egypt for help. But notice in verse 7, the second eagle is described as a great eagle with large wings and many Feathers, but there's no mention of long pinions on the second eagle, as there was with the first eagle in the parable. Egypt did not have the military strength. Egypt did not have the military might that Babylon possessed. And as we know, it was a big mistake for Zedekiah to look to Egypt for help because Egypt didn't have the power, didn't have the military to really come against the Babylonians. But Zedekiah looks to Egypt for assistance, for help, to get him out of the situation he's in with Babylon. You know, recently in our study of Genesis, we've been talking about Abraham or Abram, and we talked about how Abram, when there was a crisis in the land and a famine in the land, he went down to Egypt. He looked to Egypt uh, for help in time of crisis, In Egypt in scriptures frequently represents someone not trusting in God, someone not trusting in God, someone not walking by faith. It's the it's the opposite of walking by faith. Turning to Egypt symbolizes turning to the world or turning to worldly ways or worldly solutions or trusting in your own strength, trusting in your own flesh, trusting in your own ability instead of trusting in God. And that's what Zedekiah does. Just as Abraham went to Egypt, Zedekiah is looking to Egypt for help. Zedekiah and the kingdom of Judah they didn't turn to God in their hour of need. They turned to Egypt. And again, how often have we have seen in our study through the prophets, and even before that, when we were going through kings and chronicles, where the, Lord's, where the Lord asked them to turn to Him, if my people who are called by my name, right, will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will answer them, I will heal their land. But they won't do that. Instead of turning to God and praying and seeking God and asking God for help and intervention, they look to Egypt. They look to the world. They look for another way other than God. The Bible warns us uh, in many places about the folly of turning to Egypt in our time of need. Let me just share some verses with you. In Isaiah chapter thirty verse one says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise plans but not of my spirit. They they take counsel, they're seeking counsel, advice on what to do, but they're not seeking it from the Lord. They devise plans, they come up with a plan, but it's it's not a it's not from the Holy Spirit. It's not not spirit-led. It's not God leading them. That they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. God says, they haven't asked my advice. Have you ever had someone say to you, well, did you pray about it? Have you prayed? Have you asked God what he thinks you should do? Or they weren't seeking God's advice. They were going down to Egypt. They, They were seeking to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame and trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation, God says. Over in Isaiah 31, verse 1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, Who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. They're trusting in the horses of Egypt and the chariots, the the military might. That's what we need. We need the army of Egypt to rescue us. They look to Egypt's strength instead of looking to the Holy One of Israel and seeking the Lord for help.
2: He asked me how I know, and I say Rings truer than the finest crystal.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan, as we study verse by verse through the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 27, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. No matter how far away you stray from God, He never gives up on you. He always offers restoration and hope, even after you might reject it. What a gift and what love! If you'd like to hear this message again or more from Pastor Dan, we encourage you to visit our website, calvaryec.com. We also encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your walk with Jesus. If you're ever in or near the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Each week, we gather together at 10 a.m. on Sunday to worship our Savior and study God's Word. And we'd be honored to share that time with you. Check out calvaryec.com to find directions and to learn more about the church behind this ministry. Again, that was Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. We're so glad you joined us today, and we pray this message has been a blessing and encouraged you in your faith. Pastor Dan will have much more to share from the book of Ezekiel when you tune in again right here on Ring of Truth.
2: I see the signs and I recognize